0: and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Kredemis, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, we're bringing you a special episode, a conversation with Janine McConaughey about trauma and how to support and help students that have been affected by... Buy it. I think you guys are going to find this conversation incredibly helpful. So we're going to dive right into it. Here we go. Hi, I'm here today with Janine McConaughey, and we're so excited to talk with her. Uh, Janine is the author of Brave, a personal story of healing childhood trauma, as well as two companion books, Jeannie's Brave Childhood and a Brave Prequel. And we're so excited to talk today about helping students um, that have dealt with trauma and also attachment issues. So thank you so much for being here, Janine.
1: I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for this privilege and a a chance to share.
0: Yes. And I've shared just, I, all I, all I've told people so far is that you are the author of these incredible books, which we'll talk a little bit about more later. But I thought it would be better if you would share just a bit of your story. And I will tell everyone, these books are just phenomenal. They will really open your eyes and we highly recommend them. And we're going to link to them at teachfortheheart.com slash trauma. And she goes into so much more of the story there than we have time for here. But can you give us just a little flavor, a little bit of background? Around, uh, that will help frame our conversation today.
1: Okay <laughs> so I've worked out really hard to condense this down because <laughs> as you said I've written two books on it and then to just say okay we have a little bit of time here so <laughs> but I think my story of my life is important it because is. Um, I was a pastor's daughter I was my mother was a teacher my grandmother was a teacher in a one-room schoolhouse. Um, I I have my um, family reunions look like teacher conventions <laughs> and uh, my daughter is an assistant um, principal here in Washington and my son teaches 10th grade Bible at a um, private Christian school um, here in the area, also. So, so when you say teacher, you McConaughey and teacher just kind of go together, or Jenkins and McConaughey. Um, and so, I grew up. I grew up in a pastor's home, and I was um, the sad part of my story was that I was sexually abused at three in a home daycare situation. And as happens with, um, children many times, once they're abused, then it is very, very likely that they are going to be, continue to be abused. And so, so my book, Brave, is my story of how I had repressed everything that happened to me from three to 23. And I, um... You know I grew up I I had a state scholarship to college I I lived two different lives one inner life full of turmoil and the outer life that everyone saw was just this um, phenomenal kid and so forth and so um, I went to college and first I wanted to be um, a preschool director and I was for I taught in preschool I directed preschool and then um, then I moved to teaching kindergarten in a Christian school, and then I moved to college. <laughs> I don't know how you take that leap, but you know, <laughs> God does these things. So, um, I I was a teacher educator for thirty three years after that, and I think that, uh, and when a year before I retired, um, I knew whatever had been brewing inside of me for a lifetime was getting to the place that I couldn't control it anymore. Um, my story my story included a repressed suicide attempt at twenty three but I couldn't live my life and know and live with the turmoil at the same time. So I was dissociative um, i, I um, my little mind, my amazing little mind as a child just split the trauma off into parts and they all they were all frozen children inside of me and so um i ended up going to therapy at 61 I, I would not recommend that anyone wait that long if they know they have trauma in their background but that that was the plan and um and so brave is kind of the story of that of my three intensive um years in therapy and how i healed but i went i went to therapy with a phd and uh, my, my therapist, who who is Dr. Sue in the book, she just kept calling me back from being thinking my way through things and saying, what are you feeling? What are your feelings? And I think I think that's how I got in the mess in the first place was that in my home and in the church and in schools, feelings were not. You didn't come to school with your feelings. You left those somewhere else, and you didn't come to church with your feelings, and you didn't live in your house with your feelings. And so, um, so I had to, I had to heal with an EMDR therapy, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, was the gift that God gave me to heal my fractured mind and body and soul. And so, um, so that's in the book that's what the book is about. I came out on the other side and realized that I had been gifted with an understanding of these children that few people um, really um, could could gain. And it had been a result of the deep, um, intensive work that I'd done with EMDR therapy. So when I talk about traumatized children, I'm not talking about Children I know who've been traumatized. I'm talking not only just about me and my memory as a child, but when I went into the MDR, I was that frozen child and I felt what they felt. So, so that's what my books do. They
0: talk about how these children
1: feel from the inside out. And that's kind of my story.
0: Yes, thank you so much for sharing that. And as I said, I really do recommend these books so much for every educator, for every mom. They really, um, you, as you tell the story, it just story is such a powerful medium to just start just opening the door of understanding of what some of these kids are going with. And and it, it, I mean, it's definitely just an introduction, but it really does. I found it incredibly helpful myself, and I just really would recommend, recommend them to everyone. Uh, today, we wanted to talk a little bit, though, if you could share um, a few things that maybe, what are some things that we as teachers and educators need to understand about students who have been affected by trauma?
1: Oh, I have so much I could say. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, I write books, right? So um, I think that I want to say, if if you know, if you told me you have one minute, what's the most important thing you could say? I would say that children need to feel safe, hmm. and um, sometimes, sometimes we, um, because we do not know children's stories, we can't always know what it is that. Um, will help them to be safe we have a general idea you know with these kids but but sometimes um, when I talk about triggers the things that triggered me and sent me into a place where I was reliving my trauma and didn't feel safe uh, no teacher could have ever figured out that it was Brussels sprouts and um, and several others that I mentioned I mean how how is that possible so we can't always know we can't always know their story we can't always know what it is that's triggering them but we can see the fear on their face and we can, and we can know that what we need to do is to somehow help them to feel safe. And um, I think I, safety is relationship, but when the trauma comes by way of relationship, then trusting someone is huge. If you have a kid who's has been through trauma and they trust you, you should, you should just put a gold star right on your forehead. Um, because that's the hardest thing. So I would say safety. I mean, I can go more into that, but do you have a question from what I said?
0: Well, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit more about that. So to ma- making them feel safe, I mean, that involves so many things. Like right? that involves just trying to build those relationships, um, providing an environment where they feel safe. Let's talk about. Do you have any other specific suggestions there, or or what can a, what can an educator do when they do see that fear come, and and how can we help them through through those moments?
1: Uh, in the um, this is really kind of funny because I uh, and I have a website and I have my slides available and my from my workshops that I've done. Oh, great! Under the educator link, so um, one of it's really funny because I did um, a workshop at the Attachment and Trauma Network um, creating trauma sen- sensitive schools, which I highly recommend. I'm on the board of directors for the organization. And I highly, highly recommend that if people can at all attend, they Wonderful. they and so, but I forgot a slide. I don't know how the slide went missing. It had all of the things on it that you're asking. I just, <laughs> so, so I put that slide at my website and said, oops, here's the slide that went missing. But I think I think that, um, I, think that I have to take it from my personal experience and say, when I walked in the room, I needed, I needed to know that there was an exit that I could get to. And I needed to know. I needed to know what was coming next. In other words, schedules. I love a schedule, you know. And I mean, as an adult, even before I understood what I was dealing with, I told my husband never, ever throw a surprise party for me, ever, 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 because that would just be. I mean, you could hear me. Please don't throw it. And so they need to know. They need to know what is coming next. They need to know (laughs) that they can count on you to be consistent. The interesting thing about kids is that um, when they, uh, when abuse happens, their brain becomes hypervigilant. I mean, there's a lot of brain stuff I could go into, but um, it it wires them for hypervigilance. And they can, they can um, recognize a facial expression before anyone has even spoken a word. So I was constantly watching facial expressions. I understand that now. As a kid in the classroom, I could not listen to directions because I was so busy watching your face hmm. and trying to see what was going to happen next. Yeah. And so, you know, I was that kid. Just give me the paper and let me start working. And um, that was survival to me. I needed not to look at your face. And so so it's, it's a lot of um, there's a lot involved in in helping them they need to be able to move really what trauma is is um the energy stored from the event along with internalized messages and it's embedded in the body and so so it's constantly one of the worst things we do is after a traumatic event is we try to stop crying and we try to keep ourselves from shaking mm-hmm. and those are the Two main ways that we get the trauma out of us, and so these kids have this energy from the trauma in their body, and they need to move and run and jump and and a lot of times trauma is um, misdiagnosed as ADHD. Oh wow! They can't sit still, um, and I couldn't. I remember I remember being in church as a kid and looking down looking down the aisle and like how are these people sitting still <coughs> oh goodness I choked on something how are they sitting still I can't I can't sit still I I have to keep moving and so I would cross my leg one way cross it another way I mean all my friends know I'm just constantly crossing my leg because that was the only acceptable way for me to get my <laughs> yeah, sitting in the dirt and so um, yeah so you can see the movement they need to be able to move um, there's a there's there's a lot of lot out there on brain breaks. There's a book by that title that yes. um, just has short activities that you can do in the middle of your day to help. And and here's the thing. Okay. I had someone, I have a group of former students that I have a little group and we talk about this. And, and one of them asked me, how do you, how do you have a classroom management strategy for the rest of your class? And then a classroom management strategy for these kids who've experienced trauma. And I say, Well, anything that works for for trauma kids works for all kids. Right. Right? I mean, having a relationship with the teacher, okay, good. That works for everybody. Um, Consistency, okay, good. That works for everyone. Um, Movement. Yeah, movement's good for everyone too. Everything that I'm saying works for all children, but it is especially necessary for these kids.
0: That is so helpful. And I do. I do think as you, as I was reading your book and as you're talking, it sometimes just really helpful to recognize some of these things as just the possibility, like you might not know what went on in a child's, you know, a child's life, in a child's home, um, but be, when some of these things happen, sometimes we take behavior personally and just realizing, you know, there might be something way more going on here that you don't realize. <laughs> and I, and I just found that so helpful.
1: Yeah. I, so I was wandering around in the, in your, in the group yesterday, you know, and, and, um, And there were several things, you know, I wanted to jump in, you know, but I'm like, no, I need to, I need to introduce myself through the podcast first and not (laughs) not be that person, you know. So, um, but I think that, uh, I think that there is a lot more going on than we, and we need to, you're right, we need to not take it personally. Um, Because, and and one of the, one of the things I said in my last seminar is that manipulation is a skill set. Okay, it is it is the way a child learns to survive, and if they hadn't learned to manipulate, they probably wouldn't have survived. Yeah, and because because they don't have any power, they don't have any choices. They can't make the adults do what they need them to do. Their only choice is to manipulate, and and I um, I talk about that a little bit in in the second book, um, how you know. <laughs> I finally because I would have said oh I just can't stand people who manipulate and I was doing it all the time and I, <laughs> I didn't even know it you know uh, like my my family um they're used to me I need I need a drink right I can't just say could you get me a drink no I have to say wow that drink you have sure looks good <laughs> so rather than asking you wanted to no, kind of get someone very, to volunteer it for you difficult for them to ask Okay. Ask for something is, and you can help them. You know, it's not that you just accept it. You, you realize it and you say, you know what? I want to help you learn to ask for things because I'm more than happy to give you what you need, but I need you to learn to ask for things. And it's a huge hurdle for them to just ask. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So they'll try to manipulate you. And, and the ones that are, have, what um, is more being called developmental trauma now versus the RAD diagnosis, but they will triangulate because they will, they will pit a parent against a teacher mm. and all sorts of interesting dynamics, you know, which, bless their little hearts, they're not doing any of this consciously. They're just trying to figure out how to survive they have the unthinkable happen to them. Right. They just and- want to figure it
0: out. Yeah. And as I was reading your book, it sounded like, tell me if I'm understanding this correctly. When we're dealing with these things, you know, kids that they don't want to ask all these different things, they don't want to ask for things. Um, they're dealing, um, they're, they're manipulating people. Uh, you mentioned you really got good at lying, these different things. It's not that we as educators would just say, okay, this is happening because of the trauma. So we're going to ignore it. These kids need help learning like right. the right, learning how to handle this in a, in a healthier, in a better way. Am I understanding that correctly? Correct.
1: Correct. And I think, you know, and I mean, if you think about a healthy family situation, that's, that's what parents do, right? Right. They take them, well, let's see, you tried hitting your brother on the head with a block to get what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's step back and see what other things we could have chosen to do right? But most of these kids were just punished and, and, um, and so they and so they didn't go through that process of learning those things. I mean, and it's awkward to be sixty-one years old and sitting on a therapist couch and realize you never learned that. Hmm. Okay, and um, it was really super awkward. Like, oh my gosh, you know. And I had so carefully disguised everything, but I realized that I missed some building blocks as a little girl because my mother because my mother um, we everyone who knows her understands that she was probably traumatized in the same way as a child. And so when, when I was abused, it was a trigger for her and it set off a whole series of interactions between us that were the worst possible thing that could have happened mm. to me. So, you know, and I, I dedicate my first or um, the, the first book tour to her. I was trying to think which book first ones to my mom, because um, I, I'm committed to help other people. To find help and heal so they they can know their children which she never knew me and so um yeah the other and you mentioned lying can i talk about lying for yes question? please um i i remember as a young girl, um, deciding that i was not going to be a liar i knew i was really good at it i mean super good at it. I mean, I was so good at it, I convinced myself of stuff that wasn't true, but, but I um, I decided that that wasn't a part of who I wanted to be, But I and I realized that I no, not, no longer needed to use the strategy because I no longer lived with my mother, and the strategy was built out of protection um, from my mother. Okay, so a child... A child who feels completely safe and hasn't been pre-trained to lie won't lie. Okay, I mean, you think back to when you were a kid and you told the lie. It was because you were afraid you were going to get in trouble, right? I mean, you, really, that's the basis for lying: is fear that you're going to something, you're going to get punished, you're going to lose privileges, you know, whatever. And so you take that and just. Exaggerate it for these kids, and and lying is a survival skill, and they get really, really good at it. But there are many different reasons why they lie. Some are subconscious; they don't even know. You know, it's a survival, and you have to understand that when the brain when the brain gets triggered, you're just going to do whatever it takes. I talk about um, seeing a bear. You know, you saw a bear, and you're going to lie, you're going to run, you're going to whatever, this, whatever it takes to get out of that situation. Um, one of the ways that is not talked about very often was one of the reasons that I appeared to be lying, which I don't even like the word lying, actually, because it's really surviving. Um, one of the ways was because I was dissociative and more than one of me was walking around in the world and I would shift between the two of them. And so I tell the story of the Easter basket, which Mm -hmm. was the classic story when I realized that I was dissociative as a child and I'm told not to get in the Easter basket. So I sit on the bed and my, my other child self, my twin self goes and gets a piece of chocolate and eats it. And when she hears my mother coming, she wipes it on her dress. But then I, the one who did not get eat it gets up and stands in front of my mother and, um, and says, uh, she asked, did you eat it? And I said, no. And I have chocolate on my dress. So it's what we call crazy lying, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we see it in the classroom a lot. You know, we, we they're caught dead to rights. And they lie to us. And that's one possible reason is that they may not actually remember that they did it.
0: And, I, and in your book, when you tell that story, at the end, you mention um, – I can't remember exactly what you said, but I remember thinking it was so helpful. You mentioned maybe it would have been better if someone would have just, you know, talked with me a little bit about that. I don't know if you remember that part of the book. Like, like, how could a what would be a good response for an educator in in one of those situations?
1: Right. If if my mother had walked in the room and simply said, um, "There, there's chocolate on your dress," and I would look down and I would have been like, "Huh." There is chocolate on my dress. And it might have given me the opportunity at that age to realize that – not that I could have even known what was actually happening, but to realize that I wasn't always present Hmm. and that that I was doing some things that I didn't actually know I was doing. So rather
0: than accusing Mm -hmm. and something that's going to kind of bring up those defenses and force a lie um, or at least this struggle that might come out with a lie, you're just kind of making a statement – presenting something that's that's getting them to think and reflect on what happened. Yeah, that's right. really helpful. Um,
1: and I think um, in my in my workshop, I don't know if I have well it's in the this slide is in the slides that I have on at my website. But I talk about um, the fact that you need to come in low. You've got to come in low because as soon as you as soon as you try to get bigger than the child who's been traumatized, they're gonna get bigger. And it's just going to escalate and get bigger and bigger and bigger as you both try to get bigger. You try to control and they try to control. And and when I say they're trying to control, um, they're not doing it because they're rebellious or a bad kid, or they're, they're trying to control because they feel like their survival is at stake. Right. Okay, and so um, for my slide for the picture, I sat one night probably for four hours. I was obsessed with finding a picture that portrayed an adult with in an interaction with a child who was clearly troubled that was appropriate. And in every picture I saw, I mean, I searched the World Wide Web to the end of the Internet. And every picture I found had the adult standing tall over the child mm-hmm. in a rolling posture. And then I finally found one where the little boy was standing. And you can find it in my slides. And, the, um, and it's a, uh, I found it on Adobe. Adobe, yes, I have an account so I can get the pictures I need. So, and the, and the dad, the dad was sitting down and looking up at the boy. Okay, you see the difference there? Okay. Yeah. That the, the adult is not, the adult is in a receiving position. I'm here for you. I want to know, I want to know how you're feeling. I want to know how I can help you. I want to know what you need right now. You know, I want to know, and and he. I hope that the dad isn't asking, "What were you thinking?" Because when I wish, I I wish I could demonstrate, but um, but when you're when you are triggered, when your brain, the part that thinks, goes offline, and you are just working out of your very central core of survival, the very very. Root part of your brain. So a lot of the strategies that we have that ask children to um, go and sit down and think about what they did for a while, mm, they they can't. They can't do it. They they can't. They weren't thinking.
0: Right. <laughs> and they may
1: not even understand their reaction. I had so many things I reacted to in my life that I I look back now and go, like, whoa. That was way out of control. That was—I mean, I was a three-year-old in a in a you know fifty-year-old body at points, right? And uh, and so, um, so I think that yeah, just come in low. You've got to come in low. Your voice has to be low. Your posture has to be low. Your and it, sometimes if you can get them, one of the strategies, and that's actually my daughter uses. It's just ask them to do something simple. It doesn't have anything to do with what's going on. You just set a pencil down and go, oh, could you put that pencil on the table? And just by that, just by – and they will automatically do it, but it will take their brain out of the deep, uncontrolled part Mm. and bring them back into the present where they can start.
0: Yeah. Dealing with it. Wow, that's very helpful. And we're going to link to those, uh, to your website where you have the slides at teachfortheheart.com slash trauma. We'll link to them there so people can find them. And I'm looking at the picture right now, and it is a a wonderful picture. So I definitely recommend people go over there and and check that out. Well, we don't have a ton of time left, but I just wanted to finish up with, do you have any other um, just helpful things, things we need to know or do, but just how can teachers best help and support students? that have have been affected by trauma.
1: Um, I think there was another quote that you mentioned when you emailed me, the one that don't don't mistake. um,
0: Is it never be fooled by the apparent resilience of a child?
1: Yes. Thank you. (laughs) What did I say? Could you tell me? (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Sometimes I read things I wrote and go, wow. I
0: (laughs) I thought it was very, um, a very helpful yeah. quote.
1: And I um you know,
0: through my stories I weave
1: Alice in Wonderland and you know, and she talks and, and I taught children's literature for thirty three years. And so so the so it's I mean, it's a it's a book for teachers because there's Alice wondering. And she was so you know, you would say, Oh, Alice, she's like the epitome of a resilient child, but actually she was surviving, right? right. She was as Figure out this crazy world she was in, and she was surviving. She was really smart, and these kids are so smart. They're they're surviving because they're smart, and so I and so I think I want to say, you know, there's okay. So oh, there's so much, but I think the important thing to understand is that there's kids react in two different ways to trauma. Um, and if you know any, if you study the window of tolerance and um, hyperarousal and hope and hypoarousal. Um, that they can either go into a fight and flight or they, and and there's different, there's so much there. I try not to go there because it'll take too long, but, um, but some kids shut down. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to spot the kids who are, who are out of control or displaying um, behaviors, which are symptoms. Um, every behavior is based on a need. And so um, they're, acting out their need. They don't know how to get what they need. And so, but if you look at, if you look at the kids who just shut down, absolutely shut down, um, a lot of times ooh, it's easy to miss those kids because, and that would have been me, um, because we don't cause a problem in the classroom, but we are equally troubled. Mm. I flew under the radar for 61 years. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's what I want to say is is don't don't and don't assume that just because these kids if you know they have a story and they seem to be doing great don't assume that because they're they're they may be overachieving to cover up or to feel validated and so forth me <laughs> so anyway um, yeah so much but um, I, that's why I wrote a book because I just have too much to say. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm hoping that this conversation will be just an introduction for so many teachers, that they will grab your books, that they will um, follow your website. I was just on your website uh, the other day, um, and we'll link to it at teachfortheheart.com slash trauma. And I was on it the other day, and I was reading some of your blogs, and they were all so helpful. So I hope people um, will, like I said, grab your books, start following you. Um, what are the best places to connect with you? Is it your website, or there's some other places too? Um.
1: You, anyone can email me at my website I used to be afraid to say that but generally people very few people actually email <laughs> <laughs> and so um, so they there's a contact at on my um, website and they can email me through there mm-hmm. and, uh, and so and then you know I'm on Twitter and I'm on you know I try to do everything I'm not horribly good at it but I try <laughs> um, so I'm I'm very but very present in many different areas. And I have blogs specifically for teachers at the Attachment and Trauma Network. In fact, on my on my um, website, I have a guest blog link. And if you go in there, I've linked every blog I've done for any other organization.
0: Wonderful. I'm seeing it right here under resources and then guest blogs and publications. Wonderful. Yeah. We'll link to that and too. So
1: that, uh, it was just too hard for the people to find it, otherwise, so I went and linked them all.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again. We really appreciate your taking the time.
1: Yeah, I and I never said during this that I actually ran a program preparing um, teachers specifically for Christian schools. So um, I just want to give a shout out to those that are um, working in Christian schools and that uh, that they will find everything that I say maybe a little a little a. Different from what other approaches are, but I think that they won't find anything that is not compatible with what we believe about how God created children. So,
0: yes, that that's wonderful. Thank you so much,
1: and I thank you. I, this has been great, and I I I, uh, I will go write another book.
0: <laughs> we can't wait to read them.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I hope you guys found this conversation helpful. And as we said, this is only just a tiny, tiny taste, just a few little tips and um, little insights. But I hope that it has wet your appetite and that you will go and check out her books, her resources. And she has so many incredible articles and supports and helps for educators at her site. Her site is Janine.org. Her name is spelled J A N y-n-e janine.org but we've linked to everything at teachfortheheart.com slash trauma so you can simply head there as well Um, I hope that you will check out her resources and share them as well share this episode, share that page uh, with another educator, another teacher as well so that we can help spread the word about this important topic before we go, let me take just a moment and we'll pray together Father, thank you so much that Janine could come and speak with us today. And I pray for each child, each teen um, that's going to be in our classrooms that is dealing with trauma in one way or another. I pray that you will just reach into their lives right now. Send the people, uh, send the resources that they need to help and support them. And I pray for each teacher that you will give us the wisdom, the compassion, the understanding, the love um, to help these students, these kids, these teens in the way that they need. And that you will just help guide us to the right resources um, and just guide our steps each and every day as we interact with them. Thank you so much for being the one who guides us and who helps us in all of these areas. Help us not be led by fear, um, but by love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Once again, everything is at teachfortheheart.com slash trauma. If you know of a guest that you would love to have us interview on the podcast, we'd love to hear about that. You can email us at linda at teachfortheheart.com. Well, thank you guys again so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep striving. You really are making a difference.